welcome to the Galactic Core Podcast. Here to review the latest films and TV shows from all your favorite intergalactic universes. Now, now, it's time to get your geek on. Please welcome your host, the prophesied chosen one. It's Andy. And welcome back, everyone, to the Galactic Core podcast. Um, I am Andy, your host, and every week we are here to discuss whatever's going on from the world of Star Wars, Marvel, DC, anything else nerdy and geeky in between. And this week I've been waiting to get this episode done, and I've got some fantastic guests to be able to discuss this week's subject, which is Marvel's Echo series. Dropped at the start of January, all five episodes in one go, which is a new thing for Marvel to be doing as well. Uh, we're going to be chatting about the series, all of our thoughts on it, this whole new concept of dropping all the episodes at once, um, the whole concept of Marvel's new Spotlight, which seems to be their sort of street style or street level series that's going to be falling underneath this. So lots to talk about and my fantastic guests that I have to go through this. They've got their own podcast where they're covering MCU stuff. I've seen them on other people's shows. They are absolutely amazing. I'm so happy that they've decided to come on and chat to this with me. So we have got from the Sisters Assembled podcast, we've got Katie and Taylor. <laughs> welcome, uh, welcome to the show, ladies. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for having us. I was checking out some of your Star Wars episodes and it was making <laughs> me so much more excited. I have been taking a little bit of a break from Star Wars. So thank you for having us. We love your show um, and super excited to talk all about Echo. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm pumped. <laughs> it was it was a good show. I mean, we're gonna we, we will obviously get to it. Um, I was not quite sure what to expect from it. Um, following on from the from the Hawkeye series, but we're gonna dive into that. But first of all, uh, for anyone that's not come across your show, give us a little bit of background about how you got to the show, how you two got together to do the show, and and really what keeps you driving to talk about what you talk about on it. Uh, well, actually, the show started when I was in college. It was actually a project for me initially. <laughs> and so I just kind of needed a topic. I loved Marvel. And this was right when WandaVision was coming out. So mm. we were back from that little hiatus. And eventually, this was also COVID. So, you know, my sister lived down the hall from me. And I was like, you know what, Taylor? We always do debriefs after every episode. Let's just see. Like, we'll marry my project and we'll marry our debriefs and see what happens. And here we are, like almost three years later, and we really love it. We love covering Marvel. It's our passion. Both of us absolutely, I, I keep saying love it, but there's no other way to say it, really. That's fair. Gotta love Marvel. Uh, the uh, the MCU has brought that out of a lot of people. I mean, Definitely. do you guys, are you comic book readers at all? Do you have any connection to reading the comic books? We dabble. Um, you know, I, especially after Across the Spider-Verse, I've definitely been mm. trying to get some of the Miles Morales comics because he's like my new favorite character, but I got to read Secret Wars last year. So nice. if there's like a really big moment that we know we're working towards or a character that we know is going to be prominent, we kind of dive in there. Um, but we definitely didn't really grow up watching them for me at least. And I think Katie would say the same for us. It was like the animated Spider-Man movie mm. from like, or show from the nineties and early two thousands. That mm. was our like pre-elementary school ritual every day so that's kind of what got us into marvel um in the first place nice what about favorite characters just give me a couple of, of your your most beloved characters uh oh that's easy i have a top four that i always talk <laughs> about 
Uh, Bucky Barnes is my absolute favorite Winter Soldier. <laughs> uh, Black Widow. And then Loki. And why am I blanking on my last one? Wait, the wall is in front of me. Oh, Scarlet Girl. Witch. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's because my laptop is covering her. Like, everybody else is, is accounted for, and my laptop's covering her. That was so bad. Oh, my God. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed for you. Um, I know. I'm mine, sorry. I just have two. Uh, super simple. Steve Rogers, Captain America, my guy, and Spider-Man. Um, just from being nice. a kid, growing up with Toby, and then Andrew, and now Tom. Um, Spider-Man's my dude. Always been. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm personally, as you can probably see from my t-shirt, Daredevil and Punisher uh, are sort of nice. up there for me. Um, I've got a big Punisher tattoo on my stomach as well. Nice. Um, it's it's actually a crossover tattoo. I had a dream one night that um the Punisher was a Sith Lord and he was going around <laughs> hunting down Jedi. So I got it tattooed on my stomach of like the Punisher done as a Sith Lord with like a cape and like red skull symbol and a red lightsaber and stuff. So I'm um, obsessed. That's amazing. <laughs> it's it was incredibly painful to be fair. Um, sure. But, um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. But um, but totally worth it to be fair. And I think you can just see of my shoulder just there. I've got um MCU Netflix Punisher statue there um, yeah. from season two. Um, so yeah, Punisher definitely gets up there for me. What about? What about heroes that you sort of want to love but don't quite hit it for you? Because a lot of people obviously talk about MCU and sort of, you know, up to end of Phase 3 and Endgame and then everything maybe that hasn't quite hit the the sort of no since then. So is there anyone that sort of has come along in maybe the last sort of five, ten years for you guys that you really want to love them but for some reason they don't just quite hit on the nose? My default answer to that question always has been Iron Man. And I know that's almost a hot take. I obviously we were team cap over here, but <laughs> I I don't know. Like I really I want to love Tony Stark, but by the end I just can't. Really? It is an yeah. interesting take, to be fair. I know. I suppose he's not everyone's <laughs> cup of tea. I mean, he was someone that was originally designed in the comics to be a character that people would love to hate in a way, or someone that was supposed to be obnoxious that you could right. still make people love. And it yeah. obviously still doesn't quite hit with everyone. Considering realistically in the comics, he was still a bit of sort of a B-list character in a way, and the MCU has made him an A-list character. Right. So I can understand that, to be fair. What about What about you, Taylor? I think for me, it's Captain Marvel. And the Marvels has made this a little bit better for me. But like her first outing was really rough. And I was excited for the character. You know, I think she has a lot of interesting storylines, especially as I've dived deeper into the comics over the years, like knowing what she's involved in and her history and things like that. I really want to like the character. Um, but that first outing was really, really rough. And I'm excited to see where we go with her moving forward, because now she's I feel like the ice has thawed a little bit and I'm like, all right, cool. I like this character more. Give me more opportunities to enjoy her. But definitely on first impression, she was a little rough for me. Do you think she's one of these characters? And I find this with a few different characters, maybe that because of how OP they can realistically be, and especially coming from the comic books, that when you've got to translate that to on screen and make it realistic, that they then suffer from from being obviously brought down a level and not as formidable as they should be. And then just basically nerfed in a way. And that kind of then nerfs the character overall. Is that something that you feel that Captain Marvel and others really kind of suffer from in the MCU? Oh, Loki? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, you could have taken the words right out of my mouth because I'm pretty sure I said that exact sentence. Because, <laughs> as I said, Loki and Wanda are both two of my favorites. And I think they suffer just as much as Captain Marvel from being 
arguably some of the most powerful heroes to ever walk in the comic books. Mm -hmm. And the MCU just doesn't really know what to do with heroes like that. Yeah, it's it's just something that I always look at and go, they would wipe the floor with all the characters and the villains around them. Yeah. And then they just don't get the opportunity to do so because you've got to make <laughs> a story out of it somehow. So, yeah, right. there's got to be stakes. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of things to come then, obviously the next big project we've got, I believe, is um, is what, Deadpool 3? Is that the next the next one to, to sort of hit screens? Um, in terms of it's the only film of this year, but if we take Deadpool 3 out of the equation, because every time I ask anyone this question, this Deadpool 3 is always the answer. But out of everything that we've got sort of laid out before us, what is your most anticipated MCU project that you're looking forward to? Ooh, oh, I mine's think... Thunderbolts, for sure. Interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay, it doesn't have to be this year? Okay, great. No, I think for me, um, Fantastic Four, because I am a huge Pedro Pascal fan, and he <laughs> has not denied that he is Reed Richards, so that is just a lot of streams crossing for me, and I'm really ready for that one. I did hear a little segment when you were talking about that, to be fair, and you were like, I love Pedro, I, I would not care one bit whether he's going to be that character, all everyone else saying, oh, he's maybe a bit too old to be playing that kind of character and stuff like that, but you're like, nope, I'm I'm there for it, don't care. <laughs> the man has some of the best acting, acting chops I've ever seen, he will be a perfect Reed Richards, don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, that man can act the crap out of anything, to be fair, yeah. so. Yeah, it's very true. I think for me, I mean, actually, before I go into myself, Katie, you were saying about Thunderbolts. I mean, obviously, we've had a, a recasting of Sentry um, to maybe a more comic-accurate actor that's maybe going to play them. But um, do you, where do you see Sentry fitting into this kind of film? Because it was an unexpected character to, to go into this kind of film, I find, when he's sort of getting almost like you know, a street-level team or almost like, in a way, an MCU suicide squad together, I guess, in a way. Um, you know, where do you see Century fitting into this kind of film? And what makes you so excited about this project? Because it's not an answer I've heard very often, to be fair. Uh, so to answer the first part of that, I've heard that Sentry's the villain, but like a mm. turncoat villain is the rumors I've been hearing in which he's starting the film with the team, but he ends the film against them. That is the rumors. I can't say... That that is not Bible. Do not, <laughs> you know, word out of my mouth fact. But I think that could be an interesting take, especially considering, to your point, he's much more powerful than I think a lot of the people who are on this team who are more ground level. Uh, as for why I'm excited, other than I love Bucky and I love Yelena, <laughs> I'm a huge anti-hero kind of person. I, yeah. I root for the anti-heroes constantly. I mean, my top four are, are all at some point kind of a villain. So I I just think it's going to be so interesting. I think they're also the most interesting characters when they come to development. So I'm really excited to see what you do mm. when you bring all of them in a room. And also the Red Guardian in the room with the Winter Soldier. I just know it's going to be hilarious. I just know <laughs> he's a fanboy and I have to see it. Well, we're going to be seeing a bit more of those two together in What If, aren't we? In that, um, that little clip that got revealed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So excited. <laughs> So that's going to be interesting. We're going to be seeing a bit more of those two uh, on screen together either way. So yeah, definitely excited for that. Um, I was going to say that before everything that happened with Jonathan Majors, um, Kang Dynasty was probably going into Secret Wars was going to be my my biggest sort of thing I was looking forward to. Um, I, I do like Jonathan Majors' performances that he's done leading up to it, obviously through Loki and his character, obviously Kang in Ant-Man, even if Ant-Man wasn't the greatest film overall, I loved Kang the Conqueror in it. Um, yeah. I love the Kang Dynasty um, comic novels as well. So I was really hoping that that was going to lead up to be something massive. Obviously, what happened to Kang now? We, we don't know. We don't know. You know. They haven't so far announced that they're changing 
the Kang Dynasty film to anything else. Right. So possible recasting. Any any thoughts on, do, do you think Marvel should just scrap this now? Because in a way, with the way that everything's been left with Kang, you could say that he was beaten at the end of Ant-Man. You could say that He Who Remains has been beaten in, in Loki because he technically was killed. Um, so could, they could technically just wipe the board with him and remarket that film as an Avengers 5 something else, isn't it? Or would you prefer to see them recast Kang and continue with the story? Yeah, I think something that we've talked a lot about is that Kang Dynasty, if you're looking at the progression towards Secret Wars, it didn't really need to be there. Like, it could be a very generic hmm. Avengers film that leads into Secret Wars the same way that Infinity War led into Endgame. Like, they don't need to be connected, and in some ways, they almost don't make sense. Like, to your point, Kang Dynasty could have been its own Endgame, and they didn't necessarily need to do that to go into Secret Wars. And so I think for me, I'm leaning more towards, all right, let's just Avengers 5 it, get us into a better place for Secret Wars, because realistically, we are very far away considering that movie's supposed to come out in like two years, and we have a lot of setup to do. So let's do that, set it up really, really well, and nail Secret Wars instead of trying to spread ourselves too thin and tell too many stories. Because having read Secret Wars, I don't really think Kang fits. So you almost have to like complete the storyline after Kang Dynasty and then go into Secret Wars in order for that to make sense. So just be done. That's that's mm. my thing. Like Jonathan Majors did a great job, but with everything going on, just be done with it and move right into Secret Wars because I think that's what most people care about anyway. So you know, in my opinion, that <laughs> I think most people are more more excited about that one than they were Kang Dynasty. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Katie, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, I, Taylor and I kind of echoed each other's thoughts hmm. on this one. But I will say, I think we also discussed maybe just doing an Avengers 5 where Doom is more of the villain because he is such a pivotal part of Secret Wars. That yeah. would bring you so nicely in. But we also discussed, you know, maybe... This isn't an Infinity War endgame situation. And I think that's kind of what Taylor was also kind of sort of saying was maybe we just have a random Avengers movie. Give it a give it another two years, you know, space it out. And now we had a team up. We all feel a little better about the fact that people know each other. We have an Avengers team and maybe even throw another Avengers movie in there if you want and then do Secret Wars. Like we <laughs> have the time now. I feel like you're not stuck in this this movie to this movie sort of timeline because it's open on the slate so i think there's other ways to go i definitely don't think they're going to end up staying with king dynasty i've been preaching that since probably september when it wasn't looking too good so i i think there's room to really redo the slate here and i would really be excited to see them do it hmm. yeah i i would agree with that to be fair i mean like I said, I love Jonathan Major's performances in the films and series that he's done. Um, forget about... I'm not going to mention, obviously, anything that's gone on with him in, in his personal life and things like that. Apart from... Did you see that interview that he did not too long ago? Obviously, his first interview after everything. Was it not like a Vought special from The Boys? Um, that's how it came across to me. It was just very... Very, I mean, very Vought-inspired, it felt like. <laughs> the fact that it was done by gma which is obviously owned by the disney corporation it was just such a transparent attempt to try to redo his reputation i was like mm. oh, really we're doing this you couldn't even get like an objective third you know a cnn or something to do it like it doesn't have to be that but anybody but the news corporation you own <laughs> like yeah. come on dudes 
we need to do better here. Think strategically. I mean, Katie and I both work in communications. So from like our perspective, we're like, really? That's the best you can do <laughs> on your like reputation train? Like my guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with this whole idea of using Doom instead. Because um, I think the only thread left open from Kang the Conqueror in the MCU is maybe the Council of Kangs. And you could have like, Doom show up and and as a true demonstration of his power, wipe out the Council of Kangs, and therefore you you've got that thread over and done with. You don't even need to address it. Just Doom shows up; he's super powerful, um, and even just you or even just do it as a flashback thing and just show him like that scene of where all the Kangs are celebrating at the end of Quantumania, and he just and just have it like Doom just shows up and just wipes them all out instantly. Um, yeah, perfect. Just and then you move on with Doom uh, going into Secret Wars. So yeah, yep, cool. Right, so since we're going to be reviewing an MCU show, I've got a fun little game for us to play. Everyone knows it's the worst game in showbiz, um, <laughs> but it is my MCU or Real Life You. So the most pointless game in podcast history is back, and what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be giving each of you a MCU actor, the person that they play on screen, and your podcast co-host. And you've got to tell me who would you rather spend the day with, go out to dinner with, go to a theme park, anything you want to do in that day. I want to hear your reasoning behind it. So we're going to kick off with with you, Katie. So got a couple <laughs> of Echo-inspired ones for you both, to, to as well as just some random ones. But I'm going to give you Vincent D'Onofrio, Kingpin, or your co-host, Taylor. Who would you rather spend the day with? Oh, God. I'm actually going to say Kingpin, I think. <laughs> um, I think he would be a very interesting person to shadow. Like, he could plan the day, and I would be perfectly fine with just going along in his car with his driver and just seeing the things he does for the day. It could be just business as normal. I would be so intrigued on just how Kingpin spends his day and then what he comes home to do. Like, does he obviously doesn't cook dinner. He's got people for that, but, like, do you watch TV after dinner? What do you like? What do you what does a man like that do at the end of his night when he kicks off his shoes and is ready to just wind down? I would love to just spend the day going around New York and seeing just the different things he's got his hands in. He's always doing something. He'd be a really interesting person to just be around for one whole day without any repercussions, because I feel like he would be like. <laughs> time to die at the end of the day <laughs> but yeah i was gonna say maybe you need some uh some like splatter proof clothing or like a little mac to wear in case there's any heads in car doors or anything like that oh yeah but <laughs> he could provide it that's the nice thing too is i'm sure he has that on hand he i could have a whole new wardrobe for the day it would be a great day i think <laughs> fair enough so kingpin it is for the day for yourself so for you taylor for your first picks i've got um alacqua cox maya lopez or Katie, who would you rather be spending the day without the three? Ooh, um, I think it would be Alakwa for me. She is amazing. She's so cool. I love her story. She sounds, you know, when she does interviews, she sounds so kind and just wonderful and thoughtful. And I really just think I would learn so much from her and her experiences and, and all of that. And honestly, maybe mine her for whatever secrets she knows about upcoming <laughs> Echo projects. Um. You know, I think she would be so fun in terms of actually 
spending the day with Echo. I mean, she's still working through a lot. I don't know that I want to spend my time in Oklahoma, to be honest. So <laughs> no, no shade. I just, I live in New York. That's like not a thing for me. So yeah, Alakwa it is. <laughs> nice. Fair enough. Fair enough. So back to you, Katie. You've got your choices of uh, Tessa Thompson, Valkyrie, or Taylor. Who would you rather be spending the day with? Oh, uh, I think I'm going to, I don't want to keep picking the character, but I think it would have to be (laughs) Valkyrie. She's so cool. She's one of my favorites on the DL. Um, I think she'd be super cool because now that we have new Asgard, she's the king. I mean, who doesn't want to spend the day with the king of new Asgard and the, and you know, the Bifrost, all that stuff. She's on side quests in the Marvels. I, I would love to just be with her. She's also just a fun partier. We would have a great time <laughs> So, yeah, I definitely have to go with Valkyrie. Fair, fair. Taylor getting snubbed twice there. It's okay. Don't worry. Honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't pick me once. That's, like, so fine. I'm pr- fully prepared. <laughs> well, this is this is the last pick, to be fair. And I've got a feeling I know which way this one's going to go after mentioning your favorites earlier, Taylor. But uh, Tom Holland, Peter Parker, or Katie, who are you picking? Oh my god, how do I choose between Tom and Peter? Katie, you're not even in the discussion. That's okay, you know I didn't that. expect to be. <laughs> um, oh, oh my gosh. Okay, I think I'm going to pick the actor again. I think I'm going to go with Tom. Um, I would love to go explore London with him. Maybe he can teach me how to play some golf. We can hang out with Zendaya. Like, I just feel like there's so much fun that we could have. She's on the Dune tour right now, so maybe we would hang out with Timothy Chalamet and Florence. And I just feel like they're so connected with so much of, like, young, up-and-coming Hollywood that I would get to, like, make new friends, which is, you know, the best with a bunch of people who are super freaking cool and I would never get to meet in real life. You know what? I, I'll give you that one. I think that's those are fair enough cho- that choices all round and, and fair enough reasons. So, not as much drama in this episode as we've had in previous ones. Podcasters, uh, podcast hosts arguing amongst themselves, not happy that they've not been picked. But um, no, great choices. To be fair, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with any of them. Um, I would certainly love to spend the day with any of those actors or, or their characters. To be fair, so is there anyone overall that? outside of what you've already picked that you would like to think this would be a fun person to spend the day with oh my god chris evans hands down yeah. dude knows how to party he's so fun <laughs> he uh, looks yeah. like he's up for, a, for up for a laugh and a joke to be fair yeah i mean i would have to say as much as i love sebastian stan i would actually have to say anthony mackie because mm. that guy is a good time like he is so funny i would have the best day ever I always love his red carpet appearances, especially when he looks like Sebastian Stan. <laughs> I, I quote that all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, good choices, to be fair. Yeah, I, I definitely like to spend the day with Chris Evans and um, and just have a bit of a laugh and a jokey scene. Because anytime I see any interviews, they're like, who's always the prankster on set or who's always the one causing the most trouble? And they're always like, Chris Evans. And Chris <laughs> Evans is like, I don't know who it is, really. And it's like, yeah, because it's you. <laughs> Won't name myself, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's absolutely fine. It's not me at all, I'm not causing any issues. Um, (laughs) So that racks up then, um, the most pointless game in podcast history of uh, MCU or Real Life U. So let's move on then to the thing we're all here to talk about, Marvel's Echo. So obviously this isn't her first outing. We got to see her in the Hawkeye series. Um, Katie, tell me a little bit about your initial thoughts from her from Hawkeye. I really liked her character, but I will say I didn't 
really know if I needed a show about her. So initially coming out of Hawkeye, we already knew Echo was slated. Mm. Um, I thought she was interesting because I think she had, again, I like the good anti-hero. So having that character who came in, she was, you know, following Kingpin. Hawkeye is finally able to get through to her and now she switches sides. I really enjoyed her storyline being a B or even C kind of character in that story. But again, as soon as Echo was announced, I was like, okay, do we need to do this? I really, I'm not sure we need to have little <laughs> side characters always having their own shows. So I wasn't going into Echo super excited. I'd love to, I wanted to see more, but I wasn't going in like, oh my God, this is going to be the best show ever. I can't wait to see more of her. Obviously I enjoyed the show, but going into it, eh, I wasn't super <laughs> pumped. I'll say that. What about you, Taylor? I think my impression of her kind of evolved over the series like at first i was like who is this person right i was like eh like there's so many other to katie's point like other plots going on but then by the end i was kind of obsessed with her and i was like you're literally so cool and you clearly have so much that you need to like work through and understand knowing that the person that you trusted so much you literally call uncle killed your father and then you know when we found out that this show was gonna happen i was like okay cool this is gonna be interesting when I started reading more about her and her connection to Daredevil and I loved the Netflix show, I was like, all right, now let's do this, right? So I was really, really excited coming into the show. Um, I liked it. I thought there were some parts that I maybe would have changed or maybe turned down the dial on some parts and up on others. But I think overall, it's made me more excited for her character. So yeah, really like the character and excited to see where she goes moving forward. Hmm. I think that's a, a, a fair response because I came out of Hawkeye going, I actually quite enjoyed her in Hawkeye. Um, sometimes I don't like how single-minded people seem to be in MCU shows and, and films about it's all about the revenge or something like that. And you obviously need a driving point for them. Um, and then the turnabout at the end with you know, shooting Kingpin um, for the role that he played in a, in a father's death. So I was like, it's going to be interesting. I, again, I was very similar thinking, of, do we really need an Echo series? Is this something that everyone's crying out for? Um, <laughs> especially since they seem to change her character significantly from the comics in terms of a power set as well. Um, so I was just like, is this really going to be what we need? Um, we'll get obviously deep into the series and, and what was going on. But in terms then of the, the way that they've done the series, five episodes dropped all at once. Marvel haven't done that before. I've always been a fan of pacing a show out week by week um, because that anticipation, the build-up of suspension, the way that then the the buzz you get around the show in terms of you get to talk about it week by week. I mean, we're we're doing this, what, a month on almost to the day of, from when it dropped, um, this recording, and the buzz has sort of died off now. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it was week by week, um, was it a strong enough show to justify a week by week release? I think that's a, maybe a debate as well. Um, but give me your thoughts, Taylor, on on this new format of first of all the Marvel Spotlight sort of you know, thing that they're doing now and dropping what they said are going to be sort of the street level shows and stuff underneath this sort of banner, and then the whole format of doing dropping everything at once, Netflix style, isn't it? Yeah. So for the spotlight, I love it. Like even just that first initial moment where they did the spotlight. Uh, intro instead of the usual marvel fanfare from episode one i was like all right i see you like i see what you're trying to do and i'm really really into it so that i love i love that we're finally getting these street level characters hopefully 
the rest of the characters that they fall under the spotlight banner stay a little bit more street level. I'm sure we'll talk about like Echo's powers changing and you hinted at it already, but she did get a little beyond street level in her show. So I'm hoping that the rest of them really do kind of stick to that. I'm a normal person. Maybe I have one little enhancement here or there, but my skill set is I kick butt and I take names a la Black <laughs> Widow, right? That's what I'm looking for. And I'm hoping that we get, you know, those types of characters and those types of stories kind of exclusively under that. But if that's what happens, I'm all for the spotlight banner. I think when it comes to dropping it all at once, I liked that I was able to just like keep going because the first couple of episodes I really, really enjoyed. But at the same time, and selfishly from a podcast perspective, I was like, how the heck do we cover this? Right? Like, do we do one episode that talks about all five episodes? Because that's a lot. And then we ended up doing two episodes and I had to turn them around and edit them. And I was like, selfishly, this sucks. Like, I hate this <laughs> and I don't want to have to edit this much. And I honestly didn't want to stop after episode three to like be able to record our episode so that I could go on and watch the rest. So as a casual viewer, sure, it's fine, whatever, mix it up. I do think that there is something fun about being able to talk about it week to week, but the occasional mix up is fine. From a podcast perspective, I was just so frustrated. I almost mm. cried. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about you, Katie? Your thoughts on um, on this sort of newer format? I am not really a fan because I'm I'm with you. I like the week to week. I like the anticipation. I mean, we just had it with the Percy Jackson series as well. I loved being able to go like, oh, it's Tuesday night. It's a <laughs> it's on the couch kind of night, and it's time to watch my show. Like I love that. Um, it gives me something to look forward to. And I also, to your point, it really helps hype up the show. I think you made a great point with saying it's a month later, roughly a month later, and no one's talking about Echo anymore. I mean, and no one's talking about Madam Web that's coming out. Like, <laughs> it's just nobody's talking about anything really Marvel except Marvel news that's coming out at this point. And so I honestly felt already a week later, by the time we were even putting episodes out, I didn't feel that people were talking about it anymore. It was the, those first maybe three, four days that people were still watching it, getting caught up. And then that was really it. The hype for it died, which I don't think it deserved to, but I think that's mm. due to the format. And to your, I think you were saying, if it's not strong enough, they didn't feel it was strong enough to do a week by week, and they dropped it all at once. That was my my first concern going into it when we heard this. I was like, maybe it's just not a good show. And Marvel's accepting that and just saying, get it out there. We filmed it. We're done. Great. And I mean, I ended up liking it, like I said, but I do think there were some points that I could see, like after episode four, I would not have been looking forward to episode five. I would have <laughs> been like, oh, great. I wait a week for something and that's going to be it. So, Yeah, it's, it's just a weird one, isn't it? When they do it like that, because other shows where sometimes you're like, because I was actually questioning about when the original plans for Daredevil born again to be 18 episodes. I was like, how the fuck are we going to do that as podcasters? Like, am I going to uh -huh. have to do 18 <laughs> weeks in a row of covering this show? Am I going to have to find 18 different guests to come on and discuss it week <laughs> by week? I know. Um, I was like, how do they... I do 18 yeah. straight weeks of turning it around in 48 hours? Like, I'm yeah. never going to sleep. With at least <laughs> one movie thrown in there, so we have double episodes <laughs> for two weeks. Like, yeah. that's just what was going to happen. So I was like, are they going to drop multiple episodes at different points to to sort of do it, like to to cut it down from being eighteen weeks? Otherwise, we're covering what was it like four and a half months of Daredevil, like, and obviously you know they've cut that down now, so from yes, where it was yeah. originally, I think it's rumored to be thirteen or so, something like that. Anyway, so 
But and since we mentioned Daredevil, since this show is basically, it brought Daredevil back into it, which we're going to discuss. Obviously, Kingpin, we already got him from Hawkeye, but coming back into here. But this, you know, the, what was it on the day or the day before this show dropped? It was then announced that the Netflix shows, all of them, so Daredevil, Punisher, um, Iron Fist, um, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Defenders, were all officially MCU canon now. So everything that came before is now up in line and it all matches up. How are you guys feeling about that news? Because that was huge news. All these years of the ambiguous, is it canon, is it not? Because things are mentioned, but no one's really talked about by name. It's the big green guy or the one with the hammer um, and stuff like that. I think the raft is literally the only thing that gets mentioned properly by name um, through the Netflix series. But this echo being the, I guess, the, the kicking off factor for dragging these shows into canon, for me, is nothing but a good thing. How are you guys feeling about that? Yeah, I totally agreed. I know this may be an unpopular opinion, but I really liked the Defenders universe. I know mm, everybody talks about I Daredevil did. and how much they like it, but some of the other shows, I think people are questionable on how they felt about that. And okay, Iron Fist season two, like I get it. That one I struggled. But other than that, I really enjoyed pretty much every other season and the Defenders crossover. So for me, they're really interesting storylines. I think knowing where we're probably going with kingpin after that you need luke cage you need daredevil you need all of those things and all of that history between these characters to make these storylines as rich as they could possibly be and now that we have access to all of them like let's not water down any of these stories let's just make them full throttle what they are in the mm. comics because that's what gives them their power so when that came out i was like yes i also didn't waste all my time watching all these shows because it is a commitment <laughs> absolutely katie what about you you happy that they're all canon now i'm happy but uh, taylor's smiling at me because she knows i haven't watched them yet <laughs> because i was like well if they're not part of the mcu <laughs> yet i i can push them off and then as soon as they brought matt back in no way home i'm like oh crap this is not gonna be good for me like i i just knew it but they didn't confirm anything and then when that confirmation came out i was like Oh no. Now I have to go and watch all of these. So I'm ready to do it, but I'm stressed because of, to Taylor's point, it's a commitment to do it. Uh but I am excited. I mean, why not? You have these shows, same with Agents of Shield. You have these shows that have been made in like the background almost. Why waste them? I, I those actors did a great job and if you're bringing back, you know, Matt and Kingpin already, why waste these characters who have already played these parts when you could just bring them back? The, all the lore is already there and it's easy it's almost like somebody already did your homework for you and you just have to submit it mm, fair then the the good news for you though katie is that disney released a new timeline order on the marvel section where they show exactly where each series of each show falls and so you can actually watch them in that order rather than having to do all of daredevil at once all of jessica jones and whatever so yeah I, that i am excited about that's why i'm happy i waited <laughs> I found something but, online. You make do. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I I was a big fan of the Defenders crossover. I know a lot of people weren't, um, but I actually really enjoyed it. I'm just a bit too much of a fan, I think, in in terms of like I just love to sit back and watch them all together and stuff. So um, I don't think there were complaints about that. But yeah, I absolutely love that. To be fair, so okay, let's let's properly dive into into Echo then. So, um, episode one. The majority of this episode is actually spent as a flashback, isn't it? Um, you know, a good three quarters of it is spent sort of setting up her story because we didn't 
get too much of a we've got a bit of a backstory in terms of um in in hawkeye of like the trexic mafia and her dad and stuff and her motivation then to try and get hawkeye or, or ronin but we get a lot more of her obviously backstory here starting off with the um the the, the emergence of the choctaw and how they came into being which was interesting to have that sort of almost cosmic level way to it in a way um and then just the whole story of her as a kid, the the car accident, um, then her growing up and being taken on by Fisk and and becoming that warrior. We get the Daredevil cameo in there, which was like around about season two Daredevil, I think, based on the suit as well. Um, and then rolling through to obviously the events of, of the Hawkeye series. Episode one, hit me with your thoughts. Yeah, I think for me, I loved the flashbacks. I love that we got to understand how she ended up in New York, the family she left behind, that impact that it had on her, um, and the death of her mother, which is so tragic and interesting in terms of storytelling and the guilt that she feels, even as like mm. a six-year-old kid. That part, like five minutes in, they had me tearing up. I was like, this poor little girl thinks it's her fault that her mom died. Like, that's horrifying. Um, but I loved that. And I love to, so this is something that Katie and I talked about, the fact that you could see the Hawkeye stuff and it's stuff that we've already seen, so it's not new, but it's from Maya's perspective, mm. which is cool because at that point in Hawkeye, she's a villain, right? So we're yeah. not rooting for her. But I love that we got to see it from her perspective, and it's Marvel's way of indicating to us, you need to change your perception and your perspective on this character because she's now your protagonist, and she's the person you're going to follow. She's not a bad person. She just was misled. And so I love that that's kind of their subtle narrative way of showing like you need to change how you feel about her or might feel about her coming out of that show and i thought that was a brilliant way to do it katie your initial thoughts of the uh the opening of this show yeah i really enjoyed it uh mainly to taylor's last point there i liked seeing the other side of the things happening in hawkeye when we were clearly paying attention to hawkeye and kate bishop i really liked seeing the flip side of it and obviously, it was also great to see her childhood because it was it, it was needed when you go back to Oklahoma then. If we didn't have that, I think it would have been very confusing to going back to this family that we didn't know she had. So it was mm. good to get that background before we end the episode with her heading back there. But I really, really loved the idea of seeing the other side of a story that we've already seen. Like That is arguably one of my favorite things you can do when you're storytelling because it's so interesting and it gives so much more depth to that scene like it made me want to go back and watch Hawkeye just to know like these scenes were happening behind everything we didn't see them here but this was still happening and yeah so I I thought they did a great job kicking off the show a lot of people can argue flashbacks aren't always great um, especially to do almost three-fourths of the first episode with it but I think that it helped build the storyline the way it needed to in such an interesting way that it really was a one of the best first episodes a lot of the shows have had. I think it was a good kickoff. I, I, I mean, say flashbacks could be hit or miss depending on where they are in a series and, and the impact that they're having. But because this was setting up a character that, as you said, we initially seen as a villain um, and sort of trying to look at things from her point of view and, and how she felt about everything from her mother dying as a child to having to leave her cousin and, and best friend at the time and then having to grow up under someone like Fisk, um, who changes a lot through the Daredevil series as well in terms of he starts off as someone who's very shy and 
doesn't like being in front of people and is almost on the spectrum in a way in terms of how he acts and and keeps himself recluse and and he's someone that likes his routines as we as we do see through those series to someone that by the time we see him in in the Hawkeye series and in this he's very outgoing he's very out there he's very much sort of someone that doesn't really care for the perception of those around him he's just going to do the things he wants to do the way he wants to do it um and and no true words on that than later in the series when we see again some of the flashbacks between her and fisk and the fact that he's like you're ready now you don't need anything else and then just has the interpreter killed just casually in the hallway outside um so fisk is like i don't give a damn about anything around me um and and the fact that the flashback when we see her as a kid and the was the ice cream salesman that's um that's obviously like shoes her away or shouts or whatever and then fisk just pulls him into an alleyway beats the absolute crap out of him until <laughs> she turns up and then she just joins in um it almost was like reminiscent of it's because i've literally watched daredevil season one recently and obviously some of his backstory in there of when he was a kid and um this bully that was that was having a go at him and what his dad was like and his dad drags him out there kicks the crap out of this kid and then tells yeah, the 12 year old Fisk to keep kicking him over and over again. And it's sort of reminiscent of that really linked him well, then I thought to the fact that Fisk is kicking the crap out of this ice cream man and he turns around and young Maya's there and he doesn't even have to tell her anything. She just starts kicking him straight away and he's like, cool, I've got like a little, you know, what's turned out to be a mini me in a way and trains her from there. So, but then we get her intentions at the end of this episode in terms of what she really wants to do, which is to take down Fisk's enterprise and, and take over his business in a way. Um, I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I don't think she knows at this moment in time that Fisk is still alive, even if she suspects that he is. So she's like, I want to be the queen pin. This is what I'm here to do. What were your guys' thoughts? Kate, you, you kick us off on this. On your, What were your thoughts on her motivations to, to want to take over and be the queen pin? It was okay to me. Mm. I actually kind of liked it more before she made it clear that, that, that she wanted to take over. I thought she was trying to take everything down like dismantle him completely which i i sat there and was like this is so valid i mean you took down the king himself you want his mark to be off of this earth you don't want him anywhere you don't want to see fisk anywhere so i thought when that was kind of the initial thing that was implied i was like oh cool i see it you're finishing your mission essentially you you're mm you're going to wipe him off. But then when she's like, yeah, I want to be the queen. I was like, Oh, okay. You know, that that's a little bit less. Like, I don't love the motivation. It wasn't great to me. You do you, I guess, if that's what you really want. But I, I liked it more of the revenge, finished my job kind of idea mm. more than the, I'm going to take over everything idea. Say, what about you? Yeah. I feel like it was a little bit of a step back because I think, to Katie's point earlier, Hawkeye kind of seemed to get through to her when he was talking mm. to her about, you know, his time in, as Ronin and the things that he regretted and Black Widow saving him. And yes, that made her turn the tide on Kingpin. But I think to me, it was then implied that she was kind of turning the corner on that whole style of life. Right. And that whole, you know, power grab and all of that that she had been a part of. So then for her to turn around and be like, I don't want to dismantle it. I don't want to destroy it. I want to own it. It's like, I thought we were past this. Like, I thought we had, you know, evolved to be on the right path. Like, we talked a lot about her being a very morally gray character, and that's fine. But she was still very much in the dark, I think, when she wanted to make this choice to take over. Mm. And I thought we were moving more gray. And so I was like, ah, oh, man, we got some more work to do. Like, I thought we were past this. So that's kind of my initial reaction to that motivation. And then 
we get as we move into the next sort of few episodes, we get these flashbacks and this sort of revealing to her about her ancestors and the sort of the cosmic background of, of the Choctaw and how they came to be. Um, I kind of equate it to almost being like Assassin's Creed style that you're having flashbacks to, to, you know, ancestors of yours and their abilities and stuff like that, that sort of come through to, to you in modern times. Obviously this is a big change to the fact that in the comics, she doesn't really have, have these powers. Um, I love the Choctaw background, to be fair. I think it was amazing to dive into it. I really loved seeing it and learning a bit more about it. Um, but then giving her this... I'm not always a fan of giving people extra powers that they don't necessarily need or uh, really changing it up for the sake of changing it up to not make it just sort of... There was nothing wrong with the way that the fact he said she was someone who absolutely kicked ass and was great at it. So to add this element into it kind of retracts a little bit of, of of then the series for me so taylor what were your thoughts on this new power set that she's got yeah i couldn't have said it better myself you know i think for her to have the amazing skills that she has as a fighter and then i know something that they talked about was her actual comic powers are super similar to taskmaster taskmaster hmm. and we already have taskmaster in the comics but you don't actually need her to have the echo powers themselves of being able to mimic someone's fighting style. She can just kick butt, which we literally saw her do in the first three episodes. And I, to your point, really loved the Choctaw history. I love that she was tied more into her ancestors and into her lineage and her heritage and all of that. And I think that's beautiful. <clears throat> but at the same time, we don't need to just give her powers willy-nilly for no reason. Now she almost belongs in a cosmic realm, which her character does not belong in. And yes, she gets the Phoenix Force, you know, later down the road. <laughs> yeah. That has nothing to do with anything related to her having powers. In fact, it's literally because she gets beaten in combat and still, like, they're so impressed by her combat and the way that she fights and the way that she never stops fighting that they decide to give it to her anyway. So it's the fighting skills that give her the Phoenix Force, not because she has some sort of extra powers. Sure, we'll do it. That's fine. Like, there are many doors that it opens now, and I'm trying to reframe to be excited about the doors that it opens, but my initial reaction was, really, this is the spotlight banner. We should not be doing mm. any of this. That's, that's the promise that you gave me. And so, yeah, I was a little sad that they went in that direction. I mean, in the comics, everyone's had the Phoenix Force at some point or another, haven't they? I mean, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, didn't make her any extra special in the comics because everyone gets it at some point, pretty much. <laughs> um, Katie, what about your thoughts on this um, on this introduced power set for her? Yeah, I mean, you both have said it so well. I think going back even before the show, when the rumors started flying about this, I was part of the group of people that were like, oh, God, really? This is what mm. we're doing. And also, <laughs> I said, I wasn't super excited for the show already, so I'm like... Are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on. This was going to be a great street level fighter. And now we're doing something completely out of the realm. I do think if they were going to do it, they did it beautifully. Tying it to her lineage, tying it to the, the women in her lineage, including mm. her grandmother and her mother. I thought that was so beautifully told. So I do think they did it very well. But I, I mean, Taylor and I have talked about this at length. I was a martial artist my entire life growing up. That's why I loved Black Widow. She was my first love ever i love a good ground level fighter because i love watching fights like that i think her mm. and daredevil fighting was a dance i hated people saying it looked bad it didn't when you have great no, fighters didn't. like that that is what a fight is supposed to look like it was beautiful and so sitting there and knowing that they're taking that away from her because i know 
I know Marvel and they're going to prioritize this new power set. That is who they are. It's <laughs> so sad to me because she is amazing. Like episode three, I couldn't stop raving about it. That entire fight scene in the skating, the it's not skating alley, a skating rink yeah. <laughs> was amazing. My God, like I couldn't, I could not stop talking about it. And now knowing that we're probably not going to see that sort of level from her again is really disappointing. I understand what you mean. I mean, yeah, it was. Just, I don't think we needed this power set. And like you said, they knowing Marvel, they are going to prioritize that for her as a thing rather than being like a, just a kick-ass character that has the ability to to fight hand to hand with the best of the best around. Um, so it is. If they do do that, it's going to be disappointing. Um, we're going to get to more about her power set in the finale because that's something I want to touch on in the finale about that. But you mentioned the skate ring. Uh, fight i want to touch on that to be fair because it was one of the highlights of the show um you know in terms of the only issue i have with it at any level is the fact that she's sneaking around this this skate rink from room to room whatever taking out the bad guys and just sort of knowing where they are sort of here and there but she she's deaf how does she know where they are at any given point because she she can only do it by sight surely so she seems to be sneaking around awfully well and taking them out an awful bit too well for someone who doesn't really have the ability to it's not like daredevil where she has like you know other senses to to be heightened to that level that was the only draw up for me is it didn't quite seem as believable as it could have been but the sequences nonetheless i thought were fantastic um taylor your thoughts on on the the, the skate rink sort of a scenario yeah, I actually didn't think about that. That's an interesting point that she was able to kind of locate them without, you know, that that sense. Um, so that's that's fascinating. But I overall, I really liked it. I thought that it really showed her skills. It showed how absolutely lethal she is. I mean, she wasn't, you know, going out there to maim. She was going <laughs> yeah. out there to kill. Oh, yeah. And I loved it. I loved that we finally, you know, tapped into some of the vibes that we got in the netflix daredevil show in the punisher show where mm. they are just going absolutely ham on these people because we have not gotten that in the mcu and i'm so excited when characters get to just absolutely let loose and especially at this kind of level you know yeah. you have a deadpool who's he lets loose and he just absolutely destroys people too but he is enhanced right and that's fine that's cool but to see a person who at this point she isn't really overly powered the way that she becomes you know later in the show to see someone who's just a really good fighter be able to just go and destroy and wipe the floor with a bunch of men as a woman also add that layer in because that's not something that's always highlighted the fact that she's able to do that as a woman and just destroy these men who are supposed to be so you know tough and whatever i was like girl i love you and i just want you to live your best life and just keep killing men this is great <laughs> Not all men, bad men, bad men. <laughs> I'll, uh, I was like, I'll wow, step away and, uh, I'll step away and let you two finish the episode. It's fine. Um, Katie, any, any additional thoughts you want to throw in about the, um, the, the skating rink? Yeah, I mean, I'll just say, I think I've, I've already gushed a lot about it, but I'll just say the use of the music in this scene as well and the different <laughs> yeah. lighting, I think also enhanced it so much. I mean, I don't remember the song, but I remember the beat of it as she, because I also, I am a sucker for when they're punching to the beat of a song and they do so many edits of like Bucky when he does that. And I love it. Like I, I can't not, I, I can't scroll. I have to watch it like four times and they did it in the show a couple times and matched her up to the beat. 
it, that is just beautiful to me. That is one of the best things you can do. So I just think all around, it was a very well-filmed scene. Nice. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of the other characters then in this series. So the, the grandparents, Chula and Scully. Um, you know, Chula is someone that she has to work at her relationship with 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 Maya because you know she blames Maya's father for the death of her daughter um and and they have to obviously work hard at their own relationship here and here and Scully almost seems like the comedic relief of the relationship and he's like you know the relaxed one and stuff like that but Tudor and Scully scenes I thought together at the shop and stuff were, were always pr- pretty good um but their relationship with with Maya how did Katie how did you see it going throughout this because was up and down for sure, but I thought overall they had a pretty pretty good a good balance between them. Yeah, I think it was good for Maya to have somebody like Scully who was there. Who okay, everybody was a little in, like, oh Maya's back, and she wasn't supposed to like <laughs> nobody was supposed to know, but everybody finds out. Like it was so such a family thing to do. But I loved that he just pretty much took her right in as if she was never gone. And so I think that it was good to have family like that who were willing. And I know her cousin who has a weird name, who I'm blanking on his name right now. He was the same way. He was oh, just like, biscuits. Oh. yes, thank you. I was like, <laughs> it starts with a B, but I can't think of it. They, they just were like, oh my God, she's here. It was just great. They took her in. They were willing to help her, even though for biscuits, that goes quite a few different <laughs> ways than I think the way he intended it for it all to go. But then you have, to your point, Chula, who I think represents the other half of the, the feelings of Maya being back, which is, you know, the sadness of the situation in which why she had to leave. And so I think it was good because it helped build a different side of Maya to us as an audience, seeing her with a family with different dynamics in the family. And, you know, I like that by the end, the two of them were able to kind of settle and get on the same point, because at the end of the day. This was all about, especially the power set, was all about Mm. the females in her family and the lineage that the women have set. And like I said earlier, that included her mother and that included her grandmother. So I like that by the end, she needed to go to her grandmother to really figure out everything that was going on. I think it helped their relationship and I think it helped tie their story together very well. Taylor, anything to add about, uh, about Tudor and Scully? Yeah, just really quick to say to Scully, I think for me, I loved him and I was so scared that he was going to die. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, Kingpin, he definitely kills people a lot and he will do anything to make Maya come with him. So that was my biggest fear because when you get a fun character like that, I'm always like, oh no, they never last long. But then with her grandma, I think, you know, building off of what Katie said and the idea of that kind of matrilineal, female line I'll say she you know is kind of that gatekeeper for Maya to be able to unlock her connection to her ancestors and her you know lineage and I loved that their reconciliation even though I don't love the powers was the unlocking moment for her to be able to truly embrace her whole you know familial history Mm. all of that that she had to kind of give up when she was sent away so I thought that that you know relationship kind of being a metaphor for that was awesome nice there is one character in this series that I thought if you took them out of this series, it would not have made one single bit of difference, um, apart from maybe the beginning, which was the cousin, Bonnie. Um, seeing her as a grown-up in this series, she you can tell me if you're feeling different. Obviously, I just felt like she added nothing into this series. There was no explanation as to... Because to me, it was obvious that they'd continued maybe 
texting and stuff after you know once they became teenagers and adults and why because obviously they were what like six years old or something when when Maya first leaves um but then obviously Maya had stopped messaging her at some point and so she would like because some people were like oh you know why would they continue talking if their cousins are different towns and it's just like but she, to me like she just comes in has a bit of a go at her for never sort of coming back or for never continuing to chat to her she gets herself caught in the, in like the skater rink scene, doesn't she? She's she's like caught up with her there, and then she obviously plays a part in in the finale in terms of being endowed with the powers to help out. But apart from that, I I, I didn't really think that Bonnie played any significant role in this. They don't expand any more in their relationship, and and that closeness that they had as a kid that they maybe lost as adults, and it just seemed in the end a, a pointless avenue to have put this character in there. And if you're not going to explore any further, what what about you, Taylor? Yeah, I definitely see that point. I think there's probably a lot of conversations between the two of them on the cutting room floor that would have added more color to that mm. relationship. I do think that in terms of Bonnie's role, she's almost like the sprinkles on top of the ice cream of painting Maya's like larger familial relationships. Like obviously Chula is huge for her in terms of how, you know, reconnecting with her past. But I think what's Bonnie's, you know, contribution there is showing how thoroughly she rejected her past when she moved to New York the fact that they lost contact the fact that they you know she never responded that she doesn't want to see her when she comes back because she knows that she's the one person who she truly connects with I think that's the way of showing you know how far Maya has come and how far she, or how far away she went from her home in Oklahoma and how far she has to come back in order to embrace all of that. So I think she does have probably a smaller role than I would have expected, but there's probably a lot more that she was would have done if, you know, it was maybe edited differently mm. or cut differently. Katie, any any thoughts on Bonnie? Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree. I think marrying both of your thoughts, it's kind of the same issue of she was there to represent a lot and I think she could have been really prominent and they just never got there with her mm. so in the actual series itself what we watched she kind of just was like oh yeah there's bonnie oh bonnie found out now it's a big thing but like it really never was a big thing that she found out maya was back and so i think they lost her there but in what she was supposed to represent i think they got her so i think in its own way she was important but i think they needed if they really wanted to go down that line they needed to have more scenes with the two of them needed to make it feel more at stake because I think Maya regardless were she was going to fight for her family but I think Bonnie was supposed to be I like what Taylor said like the sprinkles on top she was supposed mm. to be that that extra thing because Bonnie was like a sister to her and that was supposed to be the driving force but I think we lost it somewhere in there I kept thinking she was going to die I thought especially in the third episode like I was fully convinced that that she was going to bite the dust because that's what they kept kind of setting up. I didn't think she'd walk out of there. I'm not going to lie. She was my character that I was like, yeah, she's done for. <laughs> yeah, it does just seem that like they've maybe edited bits out somewhere along the line and, and just not included extra bits that would have explained a bit more. And it's always sad when they do that, especially when you've limited the show to five series. Like, I see it so much through, obviously, deleted scenes and for any TV show or, or film, and you're like, if it was an extra 30 seconds or a minute, why haven't you thrown that in there to give you more context to make something a bit more sense? I just, I can never understand why they do this. Um, always baffles me. I know no, something I can... so small can have so much of an impact. And it's like, mm. really, did you really have to hit? And some of the episodes are really short. So like, did you really have to hit 35 minutes? Was 35 yeah. and a half going to kill you? Like, really? 
Well, and to your point, I mean, oh, what was it, T? There was something that Marvel put out that I swear every deleted scene afterwards, I was like, this would have made the movie better. If you just would have kept that, like every deleted scene, I swear it was just I think so much better. I think it was Endgame too. I think there were so many scenes that I was like, this would have just catapulted this to a different dimension of great if you would have put this in. But instead, we got what we got. And I just, I feel like a lot of the times the deleted scenes are just so much more worth it. And I, I just want to know who's making the cut. Like, I'm like, who sits there and is like, that's not it. But I'm like, but it is. And it almost always is. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's move on into the, the other, I guess, main character of this series. Uh, Mr. Mr. Kingpin himself. So he's um, obviously how I, I would have liked to flashback to seeing how he survived um, the being shot in the face at the end of Hawkeye. Um, it doesn't even look like it went through his eye. It looks like it's <laughs> like maybe hit the bit right next to it here, but yeah, he turns up and he's got his own little eye patch now. So he's sort of mirroring, you know, giving a bit of Nick Fury esque uh, style to it. And I think Iron Man says it best to be fair. Um, I'm sorry. I don't want to get off on the wrong foot. Do I look at the patch of the eye? Um, so I'm never really sure where, you know, which eye to look at in that kind of situation. But um, he rocks up with his patch, um, and he's obviously trying to do his best to convince her to come back to, to New York. Um, they sit out and have you know, their, their little dinners at some point, like they used to do. Um, just before we talk about the characters as a whole in this series, there's one thing I wanted to discuss because it something I discussed with a friend on another podcast. Um, the he reveals to her obviously at some point that you know his father died when he was 12 and it's not until later that he because she feels sorry for him that his father died when he was young and obviously he reveals later that he's actually the one that fucking killed him <laughs> um and he brings out the hammer to show her this is you know the exact same hammer i used um and there was a sometimes attention to detail isn't always what it should be and this is a very different hammer to the one that was shown in the daredevil series to what he actually used to kill his father completely different style not even looking the same and to me that kind of grind grinded a little bit and my friend was saying on on his podcast that yeah the attention to detail bugged him because it's not the same yeah and i was having a chat with him and said the only defense i could give in this is that at the time that this was filmed like it hadn't been announced yet obviously it only got announced like the day before on the day that the netflix series were coming to be canon so maybe that if this was supposed to be a different Fisk, it wasn't going to be the same as the Netflix Fisk, then using a different hammer wouldn't have necessarily made a difference. You could say it's MCU Fisk, not Netflix, slightly different universe, slightly different hammer, all was good. Um, but then, so this film has already you know, been been filmed by the time they decide. Kevin Feige's come back and he's taking charge of everything again. And he's gone, okay, let's make the Netflix series canon. And then they just kind of lost this scene and not been thinking about that and gone, oh shit, okay, we've got two different hammers now. Um, I mean, I know it's a little thing, but it did kind of bug me a bit. But in, my def in the defense of it, I was thinking the decision to make it canon was now maybe a bit later on. They hadn't thought to refilm it. Any thoughts on this kind of thing where sometimes you think the attention to detail, they could have gone back and changed that. But they just needed a shot of someone holding the hammer. They didn't necessarily need it to be Vincent D'Onofrio or anything like that. So anything else that sort of attention to detail that bugged you or, or do you have any thoughts on the fact that they don't use the same hammer yeah i think when i saw that i was so mad i was like 10 years okay not to be this person but 10 years ago marvel <laughs> would never have missed it they didn't mm. miss that type of stuff the fact that they did drives me nuts and to what you were saying about the idea of you know the hammer being kind of 
not important because it was, you know, at one point maybe a different universe. It's like, okay, but just hedge your bets. If you're not sure what you want to do, why does it have to be a different hammer? Just use yeah. the same dang hammer <laughs> and it would have been fine because, you know, regardless of whether it's the same hammer or not, like that doesn't signify whether it's a new universe or not, you know? And it's so frustrating. And, you know, now that they've made it canon, for it to be different, it's like, oh, really? However, if you want to go into a different potential excuse, you could say maybe he doesn't walk around with a hammer, but maybe he <laughs> used he bought a hammer as a manipulation tool for her. I mean, what kind of sociopath? I mean, he is one, but like, you know, go with me here. What kind of sociopath walks around with a hammer, brings it to Oklahoma that he used to kill his own father? What if he just went to a hardware store and bought a hammer and was like, metaphorically, this is the hammer I used to buy or to kill my father? Like, that's the only excuse I've got because mm. otherwise it's like, dudes, like you have literally this on film. You as a company filmed it. It's your property. Just watch the dang show. <laughs> Katie, anything to add about that particular little uh, little fact? I mean, Taylor said it well. All I'll say is yeah. there's definitely that hammer hanging out as a prop somewhere. <laughs> like you could have probably found it and and still used the exact same one. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know it's a little thing and it's maybe not something to worry about, but it is attention to detail sometimes that you think someone should have been there to correct this. For before sure. Before they even thought about if it's a canon thing or not. Just at least, like you said, hedge your bets, make sure it's the same. Even the same kind of hammer would have been nice. Like, it doesn't have to be the exact same one that they pulled out of storage, but just one that even looks similar would have done. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But um, Katie Kingpin in this series overall, um, what were your thoughts on him? Because I think fantastic addition to having him back in the mcu now um i'm going to be more intrigued to find out if we get any more detail about what he was up to during the blip um because there's obviously rumors that daredevil maybe blipped and he didn't and that's allowed him to reconsolidate his power again um what are your thoughts on him though coming into the series and the role that he played i really loved it uh i think we focused a lot on some of like in some of the episodes and actually then i think after the fact on the relationship he had with maya and i mm. think that was a really great way to show him, especially because I, I feel like I bring that unique perspective of the fans who didn't watch the, the Netflix stuff. And so to not really know the background of this character, except for what I know of Kingpin in general, and like, I don't know anything about the Daredevil stuff right now. I don't know what he was doing, but to have him in this role, this very fatherly role almost where he's like just come home like everything can be yours mm. just come home you know let's have our dinners let's do this obviously he's still very threatening we see that by the end but i think it makes you feel a very different way about kingpin there were a few times i had to sit back and be like this is kingpin let's not forget this is who he is he is <laughs> you know the ruler of new york pretty much of the underground of the crime so i'm like don't let him fool you but i think it does such a good job at showing how he's manipulated maya over the years how he's used their relationship to get what he wants from her specifically but you do see almost like this weird softer side to him because she is his weak spot and i really enjoyed that what about you taylor your kingpin thoughts yeah, I loved him in this series. I think having his and Maya's relationship kind of be at the forefront and be mm. both of their motivating uh, factors is great. Um, you know, we see coming from the Netflix perspective, we see how he can be soft and loving with Vanessa, but it was cool to see him do that then with a different character and know that mm. he's very capable of love to the two people that he can stand. And that's awesome. 
But I also think, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as well, the way that it sets up what he's going to do, you know, in Born Again. And when you were saying about, you know, whether or not he's flipped, I think that's really going to be the crux of kind of how he campaigns when he goes and runs for mayor i think that's not a shock that everybody's you know kind of leaning towards that mayor kingpin storyline and that whatever happened in the blip when he in my opinion wasn't blipped and i don't think daredevil was either but whatever he did during that period is going to then set him up for born again and i think that's where we're going to get that background of what he was doing during those five years and this show did such a good job of preparing him to be absolutely single-minded he now doesn't have that weakness that caitlin mentioned because to him maya has rejected him in the most aggressive way she has you know put him back into that little vulnerable boy space that Mm. he has fought so hard to get back from which is such a betrayal i mean more than anything else that she could have ever done like shooting him for example that i think is the thing that's like the the straw that broke the camel's back so there's going to be no mercy now and the version that we're going to see in born again is going to be absolutely ruthless and this show was so important in getting him to that place and so i think it's just absolutely brilliantly done absolutely and then we arrive at the finale um i i loved the first four episodes of this i was was really into this but i remember after episode four ended i sat there and i was thinking to myself what are the stakes going into this finale is there anything really a, a risk um okay like kingpin turns up and kills your family yeah that's kind of important i guess to the individual but it felt like there was no real high stakes for the end of this uh, going into the finale episode i didn't so because you kind of you know, you could predictably see what was going to happen that they were going to have a face off a battle like the goons would either get killed or stopped and then their battle in a way was going to end in pretty much like a draw because you're not going to kill either character off there's not going to be a winner or a loser so to speak so it, i went into this finale thinking there's nothing really at stake here and it's going to end pretty predictably um katie what were your thoughts on going into the finale yeah i mean i kind of felt the same way i episode four i remember feeling like it was slightly out of place because of just the what was in it with the relationship between kingpin and maya and what it was building Mm. so i think after seeing that i definitely felt a little weird going into five because i was like i don't really know what they're fighting over at this like what is going to be and i don't need a big battle i mean i think everybody expects a big sort of fight scene somewhere or another in a finale i didn't need that but i couldn't figure out what they were even going to like do how they were going to end this show because i i really didn't know what either person was going to do i didn't know what kingpin was going to do didn't know what maya was going to do i mean pretty sure at the end of four is when we see her leave oklahoma so i'm like okay great now she's leaving are we going back (laughs) to new york what what are we doing here so i definitely my expectations were low um i wouldn't say i loved it it was it was a finale, that's for sure. It just kind <laughs> of happened. You were like, oh, okay. And the best part of it for me was the end credit scene, because at least I was like, now I know mm. the importance of this show. I see how we got here. Awesome. And that was kind of how it concluded for me. <laughs> and then, Taylor, your your thoughts of this of this not so epic showdown at the end at the end of the series um especially the i've heard some people call it a trope i wouldn't necessarily it's a trope but this whole thing of you know maya shared her power with with her family in order to be able to battle the goons and bring down kingpin at the end what were your thoughts on that 
Yeah, I think to start with something that Katie said, you know, four kind of went off the rails a little bit in terms of like the narrative arc. And then from four, I couldn't figure out how we got to five. Like I was like, all of a sudden he's about to bazooka her like community in a really important, (laughs) you know, event. And I can't understand when or how this happens. And I think this that's why it doesn't feel like there are stakes is because you Mm. don't have any hint really at the end of four that this is where we're going i think if they had built that up maybe okay added 10 or 15 minutes to the end of four the beginning of five to actually you know give the audience an indication of what we're building up to then it would have felt like we had stakes because we actually were invested in whatever fighting whatever kingpin was doing but the fact that he just showed up and rolled up with all of these henchmen and their you know bazooka or whatever i was like where did where did we come from and why i'm not invested in this because i don't understand how we got here and then the actual fight itself kind of goes back to what we were talking about with maya's powers versus her kick butt skills i wanted to see maya kick butt physically Mm. and they instead of leaning on that they did exactly what katie talked about which is leaning on her powers and i was like man you have the opportunity to watch one of the best fighters in the MCU right now absolutely go ham on these people yeah. with an extra level of anger because they have her family. <laughs> and instead they let, you know, leaned into the powers and then she was able to spread the power to her family, which, you know, from a narrative standpoint makes sense. They're female, you know, you know, females within her lineage. So that mm. makes sense that they would also be able to tap into it. But I, that was where I kind of like jumped ship and I was like, this is like beyond where I am like willing to logically go with this because I wanted a grounded show and now she's you know sharing her mystical powers with other members of her family who are now suddenly able to kick butt and I was like man like this is what we're gonna do and then you know the kingpin thing where she you know brings him back to that moment in his childhood bedroom (laughs) that was rough I like get it from a narrative standpoint and it's definitely going to drive him and it really severs their relationship in a way that nothing else that she could have done has done. But I was like, what are we doing? This is so cringy. Like I just couldn't, I could not get behind it. And it really, it soured the whole show for me because it's like you ended on such a rough note that it's like, no, I liked so much of this. (laughs) Katie, give us give us your thoughts on this final showdown. No, I agree. It was again, I don't need a big fight scene, although I was excited because Maya is awesome at fighting. And mm. I think the problem with her powers too, and they might they might work to make these different in the future. They might give her more I don't know. And I'm hoping they do. Like if you're gonna do it and you're gonna lean on it, then lean on it. Like go that direction. But they're so anticlimactic. So like she's just like putting a little cross out with her fingers and the next thing you know like he's seeing his childhood. I don't know. It was weird. I just I, I honestly remember rolling my eyes. I was like, "Wow, Marvel. This was this was <laughs> it. This is what you said makes it into the show." And yeah, it just wasn't one of their best, that's for sure. Yeah, this whole thing, doing that cross on his head to basically make him deal with his trauma and let go of his anger towards his father. I mean, that's part of what made Fisk Fisk, wasn't it? So to to try and get down and heal him so he can move on with his life. And it's just sort of like, okay, I didn't really need Fisk to be healed in any way. He was who he was for a reason. And right. that's part of what made him his character. So this this need to 
let characters move on from their trauma. It's like trauma is what partly makes the character so immense in the first place. And that's the, the thing in many cases. I think it's something I look at with, with Bucky in The Winter Soldier, that his, his trauma as The Winter Soldier is what makes Bucky, in a way, sort of being cautious and always having that bit of regret and wanting to then correct it. And once you sort of take that away from him, he's just a super soldier without a mission in a way. And, exactly. and that's almost felt like what they're trying to do with Fisk. And it's just sort of like, I don't need you to do that. Um, there's there's no scenario here that this was going to end where it was satisfactory, I felt, because you just, like you said, you focused on her powers rather than her ability to kick ass. You're trying to get Fist to move on when he didn't need him to. He, he needs to have that anger and drive because that's part of who he is. Well, so, and you know that he's going to be in Born Again and he's going to need to yeah. be absolutely evil in Born Again. So there was no moment where I was like, oh, she's going to heal him because I was like, no, he's about to just go, you know, kill daredevil if he can or at least try to kill daredevil in the next show and the only way he's going to be able to do that is by leaning on his like earliest memory of trauma that he's now spent 40 years building on top of you know but at least it ends with with that good post or mid-credit scene of the fisk flying back and seeing that there's obviously a lack of of candidates for for the mayor of new york and obviously just sets up perfectly for for mayor fisk sort of moving forward so what do you? What would you like to see? Sorry, for Echo moving forward in terms of what they do with the character. Kate, you kick us off on that one. I mean, I don't think it's a far jump to say I'd like to see her in Born Again. I think I. This is probably selfish of me, but I'd like them to try and keep her in that street level area for now. Maybe keep the powers off to the side, like they can be featured here and there. But keep her with the people she knows and the people in the comics she has the relationships with. Keep her in that realm. That's where I want her. I mean, I'm seeing that we're, we might be getting more Hawkeye, questionably. Those are some rumors coming through. So I wouldn't be against seeing her hanging out with him. I think he was a huge part of her story and how she got where she got. So I'd love to see her stay in that realm for now. Bring her on to an Avengers team eventually. That's fine. I don't think she's ready for it. I don't think she's anywhere on the levels of like Shang-Chi or Captain Marvel who are out here kicking butt. But I mean, I would love to eventually see her there, especially knowing Marvel probably will eventually lean into her powers. But for now, can we keep her with the ground level? Keep her. She can make a couple cameos in Daredevil. That'd be awesome. Um, I mean, would it be too much to maybe have a cameo in another like a future Spider-Man? I don't know. I'd love to connect a lot of these characters. I think they all are in one story. We just need to see it on the screen. So that's what I'd like to see next. What about you, Taylor? What about the future of Echo for you? Yeah, I think, you know, short term, it definitely should be Daredevil. I think the moment for me is like she finds out that Fisk is running for mayor or however, you know, timeline wise they do that, whether he's won, however that works out in Born Again. And she feels a responsibility to, you know, go help. And that's where she teams up with Daredevil. It doesn't need to be the full show should just be a couple of episodes you know to have her in there show that she belongs in this realm with these characters like katie said and then long term i'd like to see her take on the phoenix mantle you know we know that the x-men are coming we know that that's you know gonna be a storyline down the road and i think we've all seen how the jean gray storyline plays out for better or worse mm. um so let's do it with a different character shake it up a little bit from what i think we all i mean i think of the phoenix and i think immediately of jean gray let's go a different avenue and 
shake it up. Um, and I like her character. And if we're going to lean into these mystical powers, let's go all the way mystical with her and just turn it up, dial it up and see where we go. Nice. Let's end then on a rating. Um, I don't always pay or like giving stuff ratings, but I feel like this is something that is going to be an interesting rating. So I'm interested to see how you two feel about it. Um, Taylor, give us a rating then out of out of 10 for, for Echo. Okay. Um, I would say I would give it a seven. I definitely think that it is better than the average of the shows that we've had since kind of the we came back after the pandemic there have definitely been ones that i've really really struggled with and this one for all of its flaws or really it's like one or two major flaws in my opinion it's better than those and i think narratively it made sense but the the powers the overpowering of her um really was something that is going to take points off for me so seven out of ten and katie what about your rating See, this is so interesting because when we finished our episode on this, I was like, yeah, this wasn't really that bad. And Taylor was like, mm, it was fine. And I actually was going to give it a six. But when you said seven, I was like, oh, maybe I have to give it higher. I don't know. I think between feeling that we I still don't know if we needed the show to further like I guess I'll have to see how my story goes from here because mm. i think otherwise i'm still kind of like did we need this show to be made i'm i'm still not sure i think the only implication so far has been kingpin so we'll see uh the power thing really takes me out of it and i think when you kind of mess with the ending and you don't really knock it out of the park it the whole show just kind of is like was it actually good or did i just was i just managing to convince myself that it was so i'm gonna <laughs> stick with my six but in relation to taylor's seven i guess it technically should be an eight i don't know 7.5 question mark? yeah maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um ladies thank you so much for for coming on and having a, a good chat with me about the mcu and, and and obviously the echo series it's been an absolute pleasure and to be fair I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, but unfortunately, our episode has now come to an end. Um, I really do do genuinely appreciate you coming on. It's been fantastic to, to have you on the show. Tell everyone at home exactly where we can find your social media and where we can find your podcast. Yeah, so you can find us on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Disassembled Pod, and then also Instagram and Threads at Sisters Assembled. And then you can find our podcast on pretty much every podcast platform under Sisters Assembled nice um as always you can find the galactic call podcast on instagram facebook uh, tiktok twitch and youtube um i will be back next week and next week i'm going to be continuing my journey reviewing all of star wars um next week it's going to be all about the clone wars um it's going to be a really exciting episode it's a long episode to be fair so get your treats in get your drinks in and get sit down ready to uh, to listen or watch to that but um Ladies, again, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Um, but until next time, everyone, take care. See you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Galactic Core Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. But until next time, go get your geek on.